1: Any department can save time
0: on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.
2: It's brand new season two.
1: Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today, we're talking about staying focused with Kurt Steinhorst.
0: There are countless ways that we're distracted in our lives today, and these distractions are keeping us from doing the things we truly need to do. And it is very easy for us to allow ourselves to be constantly barraged by notifications, social media, or by email. And these distractions are keeping us from being good friends and family members at home, and they're keeping us from being productive and engaged at work. That's why we're stoked to be talking with distraction expert Kurt Steinhorst today. Kurt wrote the book, Can I Have Your Attention? inspiring better work habits, focusing your team and getting stuff done in the constantly connected workplace. Joel, we often talk about ways to save money, but today's conversation, we're going to focus on how we can do a better job earning money by focusing our attention on what matters the most. So Kurt, thanks so much for joining us today.
3: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Awesome. hey Kurt, we're
1: excited too. We're going to give away a couple of your books. So listeners, stay tuned at the end of the episode. We'll we'll talk about how you can win one of uh, Kurt's books. And by the way, Kurt, every week on the show, Matt and I, we drink a beer. We're super into craft beer. And for us, it is this kind of splurge that helps us to, in the here and now, enjoy something that we love. While in the process of enjoying something that we love, we're saving for the future. So, we uh, ask our first question to every guest is kind of what's your splurge? What's your craft beer equivalent? So, Kurt, what's yours?
3: Well, aside from craft beer, uh, (laughs) (laughs) my wife and I had a kid about a year ago, it was our third uh, child. And uh, we decided right at the beginning that we were going to have someone come in and help us with all of the stuff we don't like doing. So, uh, this isn't like the deep clean once every couple of weeks. We have someone that comes in um, every other day and does all of the laundry the dishes you name it and
0: that is awesome
3: i can't we we initially were going to just do it for the first two months and it has become so amazing (laughs) (laughs) like there's just something crazy about coming home from work and saying you know what i don't have to do today the stuff that normally takes an hour of the four-hour window that i have not working and so that's probably the biggest flurge that i have on my uh, on my uh, in, income statement, I should say.
0: No crummy chores for Kurt. I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Plus, this isn't an episode we can allow our wives to hear now, too. They're going to be like, why are we doing that? That's something that we prioritize. Hey, could you guys be a little more like Kurt? <laughs> oh, fine.
3: They just need to talk to my wife. I promise. Uh, they, they'll have a change in perspective.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, man. And Kurt, you're all about helping folks reclaim their ability to focus, right? Your book, Can I Have Your Attention? is dedicated to that topic. So how did you get interested in our ability to focus and and why have you chosen to be a distraction expert?
3: You know, ironically, it it all started because I was diagnosed with ADD when I was a kid. So uh, there's something about someone who studies Mm -hmm. and teaches and writes on focus with a condition that says he can't do it. (laughs) But, you know, I, I was never medicated um, and, and did well in school, but had challenges around focus. I've always been challenged around focus while at the same time being capable of really zooming in and focusing on things that are interesting to me. But it was in 2011 that I branched off and started my own communications consultancy and was truly doing what I love. Like it, was, it was fulfilling my dream and it was going well. But for the first time ever, I would look up and I would have 15 emails I had started. I'd have two major projects that I couldn't get finished. I couldn't figure out how to get to the bank. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. the hundreds of things coming at me made me feel just completely overwhelmed and and that's what started the journey from it being a personal thing to saying okay this is so painful i'm either gonna have to move in with my parents or or i'm gonna have to get on top of it and and so it never was intended originally to be something that i i did as my full focus but what ends up happening is i'm I'm speaking and, and working with clients on the other side of attention how do you get people's attention and the more and more consistent theme was, it turns out everyone is struggling. It's not just the people that were diagnosed as a kid. And so it, it started there and and seven years later, that's all I've been working on.
1: So really, it kind of begun out of this inability to kind of focus your own attention. And then you're like, right. and, and, is that, and then you did do you start to do a lot of research, I guess, and and yeah. then it led you down this path of just kind of, oh my gosh, this is a bigger problem than I thought it was.
3: Yeah, it, it was it was dual layered in the sense that the first step anyone goes to when they hear about I'm distracted is you jump into the self help productivity world, and so it, it, my first aim was to do this you know perfectly efficient life in every capacity, and what I quickly realized is that there's this conversation occurring about how we feel distracted overwhelmed then there's this future version of us that we think we're capable of that set these highly unrealistic goals and and you know what i where it really hit me was i started asking the question you know is there something wrong with the way that we're even approaching these questions and the way that we're thinking about attention and so it was then that i started to say okay there's actual real solutions when we understand the parameters of what it is that actually um the way, the way the human brain is wired to have our attention captured and directed, and and what the consequences are when we're out of control,
0: It's something that was born out of necessity, or is what I'm hearing. Yeah, and and right. you kind of dove into it some more. I was hoping that you were going to say that you kind of were distracted from doing something else that you were supposed to have been doing. He's <laughs> like I just kind of went on this tangent, and yeah, look, it took off. <laughs> Why am I so distracted right now? Let me look. Let me let me look that up on Wikipedia. <laughs> Well, Kurt, how, like, how big of a problem is this? Like, how much time do we lose from our days because of our inability to focus well?
3: You know, there's, there's a number of ways that we, um, we research and, and look at the metrics. And, and I can give you several of them. So on average, 90% of texts are received within three minutes of receipt. 70% of emails that are pushed To a device or or on our screen, are read within six seconds of receipt. We're interrupted. Wow, (laughs) yeah, it's unbelievable. We're interrupted every two to three minutes. We check our phones eighty-five times a day. We spend three point one hours of our time at work just on email. And and you know when we see like what is the cost of that? Twenty-five percent of our time is spent just trying to comb through data that we don't have the ability to process. And so when you look at that from an economic standpoint, that's about uh, nine get this number, nine hundred and ninety-seven billion dollars as a cost to the economy. So there's I can give several other when we think about it from a macro standpoint, but from an individual standpoint, I, I think it's more in the it's in the deep category of of a felt loss and unrealized opportunity. Because focus, by its nature if, if you want to be excellent at anything, it requires focus. If, if you want to have deep relationships, it requires undivided attention. I mean, name something that is, is, that is about actually having the deepest things that we really want. And it requires the ability to um, have our attention in one place at the expense of everything else. And distraction robs us from that.
1: Yeah. And that's a really good point. Yeah. The bigger things that we want to accomplish, often distraction is kind of what's getting in the way of us actually being able to To jump on them to make them happen, and so they uh, they reside in the back of our mind. Like that, that'd be nice to get to, but we never do because
0: we have this inability to focus. Yeah, and that that unrealization though, like that, feels like disappointment. Right. Like like when you said that, Kurt, I was just like, yeah, like that's that crappy feeling I have when I realize that that thing that I say is important to me that that doesn't get done. Yeah, and that's that's kind of a bummer feeling. (laughs) (laughs) It is.
1: Yeah. So, Kurt, in, in your opinion, is distraction mostly a new phenomenon or it it kind of feels like in in my mind that we're in this kind of new era of focus impairment? Where do you come down on that?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's several ways to think about it at the base level. And it depends on how you define distraction. So... I often joke, some people would say, oh, there were no distractions in the world until a man came down from a mountain and delivered to us tablets, right? <laughs> Which has happened twice in history, but <laughs> clearly not the answer. So it, here's the deal, the base system of attention in your brain, like the human, the human brain is wired primarily to seek out new and fascinating and interesting things. We are wired for curiosity. We're, we're wired to be explorers. To like, We enter in, you know this, you have babies and, and the world, everything's new. And so, we go and we explore, which is actually what some people mean when they say they're distracted. I keep being interested in new things. <laughs> it's like, actually, that's a human thing. So, in mm-hmm. that sense, that's always been the case. And it's not a bad thing. And in fact, uh, one of the biggest things I always want to remind people is, um, are your, is your model right here? Are you, are you seeking to be something that you're not wired to be? Um, you're not very good as a machine. But, but here's, the, here's the shift for, that I think is really important to understand. is um, What technology has done is it has granted us access to the infinite. And so we've we've gone from a world where, where our attention and focus was really quite limited and bound by the spaces we occupy, by the communities, a very small community of people, to a world where we have everything available all the time and our human curiosity says we have to explore it. And so what that means is we end up in a spot where what was a, a natural human wiring is actually working significantly against us. To the point that we are now what we call distracted which is really confusion about what deserves our attention in a world where like everything is available to us
1: so would you say that like years ago in kind of older cultures you know, even even 50 100 years ago that basically the amount of distractions we had available to us were just were finite there were just a few right. and they were probably less harmful at the same time and now we just have infinite distractions that we just can easily pursue
0: yeah, that's exactly
3: right. And, and then I'll just add one more layer between back then and now is until about a hundred years ago, the people you lived with were the people you worked with, were the people you did everything with. And, and why that really matters is because if I live in a single community and I'm in charge of, let's say hunting and someone tries to distract me from hunting, no one eats. So there was like, a, there was a built in incentive to actually um, allow and, in, and, in, and in, almost force people to focus on their part in what the whole team needs. Well, now like we're so broadly connected, we have dozens of communities we're associating with, but none of those communities have any consequence if they distract us from someone else. And so (laughs) you add in that layer and what you end up with is the people that Need your attention that you care the most about actually become your biggest enemies of of focus. Like they they ex, there's an expectation that you should give your attention to them at the very moment that it needs to be elsewhere. And so now there's dual layers of challenge on that.
0: Essentially, there's no more accountability, right? Like there, there's no one to answer to quite as much, right? If if someone is depending on you for food, I mean, now it's just your boss, and I'm, I'm sure <laughs> bosses are are fighting that the fact that they don't know or or they're having a tough time measuring what employees are, are able to actually get done right
3: that's right and we still live on these outdated ideas of things like i mean this happens if, if if you work in a larger historic organization it's nearly to a t that loyalty and responsibility are you a part of the team are you doing your job is a, is, is equated with how quickly you respond so mm. responsiveness is actually it's like there's a built-in incentive to that says you should be distracted but you should be focused And and unfortunately, in today's world, when everyone has access to everyone all the time, uh, the clearest indicator that you aren't focused is if you're immediately responsive to everything.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. Kurt, let's talk about multitasking for a little bit, right? We often see these quick articles explaining how we're terrible multitaskers, right? And we shouldn't be doing that at all. But you say in your book that that is not entirely true. Can you explain uh, why it is that we can multitask?
3: Yeah, this is a classic. It, we love these like simple headlines. Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. Multitasking
3: like, is a myth. You should do one thing at a time. I'm like, how's that working out for people? <laughs> like, how's that working out? Here's why. Here's why that's a uh, that's an impossible standard. It's an impossible standard because um if you only do one thing at a time, then if you're focused on let's go back to the olden days um if you're focused on fishing and and a lion's coming to attack you. Guess what's going to happen? You're dying. You don't make it. (laughs) This is bad news. So I have
1: that peripheral vision, you know? (laughs) That's
3: right. Yeah. So the truth is it depends on the tasks. There are some tasks that you can do together. There's some tasks you can't. And you need to just know what the consequences are. So we call these like full focus tasks. If it involves language, uh, you can't do it two things at the same time. You can't read a book and watch a show or uh, you know, read Twitter or social media while watching a show, even though 88% of us while watching TV actively use the same device. That's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> you know, We've all felt that. And, and here's what happens when we try to do that. There's uh, what we call a reorienting tax. So we're flipping back and forth and that means that we're um, on average, it depends on how different the tasks are, but we're 40% slower. We don't feel it, but we're a lot slower. The quality of the work goes way down. Harvard MBAs, when adding arithmetic, basic arithmetic to an essay assignment, the quality of the essay went down to a second grader's level. We lose our emotional connection with the work, and so that's why people say you can't multitask because if you, you can't do an email while being in a meeting. Now, why why would we do it? Here's the reason: um, the more tired we are, the more we need external stimulation. And so, you know, you see me on a plane after I've done a full day program with a client or something like that. And I'm probably going to have a comedy on my iPad and I'm going to be responding to emails from my inbox. And the truth is, I'm not going to I'm not going to digest all of the comedy. And I'm also uh, not going to write great emails. These are not going to be poet- this isn't poetry. These aren't mission critical. And I'm going to do it slower. But the more tired we are, the more we need a little background noise. And so as long as I realize that I'm not going to write my next book while doing that, it's okay. And so we just didn't know the, the cost. And then I, I'll add one more piece to this multitasking. Uh, there's actually some tasks that you can do that facilitate your capacity to do them well. The, t- the concept is called soft fascination. That basically what happens is if we have a little background noise, then what it does is it ignites what we call the inhibitory system of our brain saying, oh, we have to block everything out. So why, is, why do some people like to work in coffee shops? There's a little background noise. Uh, why do we listen to music without words? Because it, it actually can facilitate our ability to focus. Why do I love to listen to podcasts or audiobooks while I'm cleaning dishes? Because the cleaning dishes doesn't take a lot of active attention. And I can then focus on my audio book. Otherwise, I'll go crazy. So it's just understanding what you can pair and what you can't.
1: That's really helpful, man. Hey, I want to get a little personal here, Kurt. For You personally, as a working adult, where have you had the hardest time keeping focused and avoiding distraction? And and maybe it's not even just a particular area of your life, but maybe it was kind of an era of your life. Like, was there a a specific time in your life where, uh, you you know, you mentioned kind of the beginning and and when you got into kind of thinking about focus, was that the hardest time in your life that you you had focusing or or what's it been for you?
3: Yeah, great question. I would say there's two ways that I would would answer that. and the the first one is exactly the period you just mentioned. It was at that moment when it was the volume of small tasks that an entrepreneur has to do that left me overwhelmed. Now, I say this with a caveat because I had a job um, working at a talent agency doing speech writing and speech coaching. And the truth is I didn't work much then either. but I mean, I did enough to get my job done. Uh, I think, basic premise of, of the first part of my book is that people aren't working and it's time to stop acting like everyone's overworked, like they're mm. overwhelmed, they're not overworked. But it was at the moment I started my business that no longer could I shield myself under a structure that that actually uh, didn't demand or reward focused effort. And so, yeah, that was definitely the period. And, and then the other side of that is today, I would say that as work has gotten busier and we've seen a lot of growth, that it's a different struggle with focus in the sense that it's just the number of tasks. And um, I'm, I am by every measure at this point quite focused, but where I'll get stuck is the when I know there's so much coming at me that I'll end up looping and and like looping back to like, let's just make sure I know what my to-do list is and my prioritized list. It's like, do I have everything? And so it's it's like an efficient focused distraction because i'm not actually doing the work i'm 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 listing what i need to do
0: like triple checking stuff (laughs) that's right yeah well i mean that almost makes sense though right because you're almost like you're overly focused on the system and and the uh, the process and you want to make sure it's working as efficiently as possible but at the same time that keeps you from doing the true work like that deep work that that you actually want to get stuff done i can totally relate with that with the the, (laughs) i've never used that term looping but uh i loop a lot (laughs) (laughs) Uh, cool. Awesome. Well, Kurt,
1: we want to ask you a, a little bit more. we want to dive into kind of that responsiveness that we feel that we owe to the people that are pinging us, whether it's text messages or emails. And we also kind of want to get into technology and how that impacts our ability to focus, but then also the, the positive side that technology can offer to helping us focus better. And we'll get to some of that stuff right after this break. dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money
5: if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner listen up upswell marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business they're actually choosing you Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. And now a
1: word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big?
0: All right. We are back from the break and we're talking about staying focused with Kurt Steinhorst. And Kurt, let's dive back into it, man. There are some areas in our life that were we to be a bit more proactive in how we manage them, that we would see a significant improvement in our ability to focus and to get work done, right? Uh, One of these areas is the space where we work. So let me give a personal example. For a number of years, my full-time office was a desk in my bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Not ideal. Yeah. Um, After reading your book, I, I can see the uh, the faults there but can you explain to us why this is a terrible idea
3: (laughs) yes i I can explain very simply why that's a terrible idea well and and first i should say i think every one of the strategies that i would recommend involves doing things that actually make it easier not harder (laughs) because any advice that's like you need to do 20 more things in order to save your attention is like well you're exasperating the one thing you have the least of i can't get focused so how am i going to have to do all these hard things to get You
1: need a couple of easy things to knock down.
3: That's right. Yeah. Set realistic. So space is a really great place that you can either have your brain and your attention working for you or against you. It's that simple. The the largest neural connection in your brain between short-term and long-term memory is spatial. What that means is that where you are says based on what you've done in that space in the past, it tells you what you should do. And we like to take the path of least resistance. And so what makes today so hard? is that technology is agnostic to space. You can be anywhere and do anything, right? You don't have to be in a place to do a particular thing. I can be on a beach and working. I can be in my bedroom and working, right? I can be at work, not working, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But what it has has convinced us of is that, that... better to be able to do all these things everywhere and in the process it's made us um, fail to understand that it has confused the cues in our brain as to what we should do in particular places mm-hmm. and so really simple way to start letting your brain work for you is to is to um, select a few particular areas where the tasks and the work that you do are set aside for that work like and i'm not saying everything like look i'll 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 get done with work. We'll put the kids to bed. My wife and I have a routine. We talk, we catch up on the day. And then, you know, I'll open up my computer on my couch and and I'll send some emails. But the key is I have a vault. I have a spot in my house and a spot at work where I'm not going to be on my device, where I'm going to do the most important deep thinking that I have to do in order to be successful. So, it's it's just picking those. And, And really, for any community, any Group of people that you care about, you need to have a sacred places where we're set aside. Like the dinner table, we're not going to be on our devices because we're going to be here. The, you know, whatever they are. And, and then invest. We're always thinking about saving money. But one of the best things you can do is invest to make that place really great. Like make it visually better than your phone. Mm-hmm. Like we have an upstairs game room that has Star Wars and board games on the walls. And it's because we decided that, you know, even though it's, the evening and we're tired if we're not careful peppa pig is a really great babysitter Um, (laughs) and and we wanted to have a place where we've had games for the kids but also where we'd rather sit than sit in front of just the tv and so it's actually better like we enjoy it it's not oh i gotta stop watching tv i gotta stop being on my device i'm gonna sit here bored like make a space that's really awesome
1: yeah. Creating that better alternative. I love that. That's great advice. Hey, so Kurt, uh, kind of, this might be a weird question. What would you do if you have a space that you have to work in, but you've kind of muddled those lines? Like, let's say you're supposed to get worked on in your office, but you've watched a lot of YouTube cat videos while you're supposed to be working, <laughs> or you've gone to Facebook far too often in that office. Like, how can you like, almost like cleanse your relationship to cleanse that space? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What can you do?
3: Yeah. Two things. The first is every office is different. Some people, you're, your back's against the wall. And what I would say is find a different place to at least pull away for short periods to it, to assess and prioritize. Pause, assess priorities. Okay. Now with that in mind, this can happen to all of us. I will never forget. I um, When I was in the middle of writing my book, I have this spot that I did that at and um it, but it's tuesday and It's fantasy football waiver wire day and all of a sudden <laughs> like i'm checking it and so rather than feeling guilty i just said hey for the next week if i want to do that i'm just gonna have to get up and at least walk into the other room hmm. and so like it, it was it was like a low barrier you have permission to do that anytime you want just just literally walk 10 steps yeah. and so that's what i would say is is Whatever place that you have to do the certain types of work probably you don't want to do, the things that you're doing on accident there, just set a seven-day rule that says, I'm going to do it in a very convenient next spot, but not this one in particular.
0: Well, I like what you said there about creating that barrier too, because even though it's not crazy difficult it's still something that you have to do that separates you from that space right that's it's right. it's still not as easy as or at least on for mac users hitting hitting command tab and just like flipping over to the next window and checking the email or checking the message or, or hopping on slack or something like that that's really easy to do and i find myself doing that even subconsciously without even realizing <laughs> at times it's like a muscle movement <laughs> yes, like a twitch. yeah exactly it's, it's muscle memory but removing that to where you actually have to do something novel I mean, I, I think that's that's so powerful, and not only does it cause you like, it, I think it would give me pause to actually do that, but it would also instead cause me to think, hmm, I don't actually need to do that. Instead, I'm going to continue to stay focused on what I truly need to get done. That's right.
3: That's right. And I will will say the other side of this coin is, and it moves into technology, but space and technology are so interwoven, like. It- we want to find ways that those things don't interrupt us, right? It's, there's, you know, two ways of it being interrupted. One is self-interruption, right? That we, oh, random idea, I want to come back. And that's the cues in space. Like last time I was here, I checked this here. And so for that, we just have to set a little hard rule that says, we'll make it a little bit more difficult. We can use technology to cut it off, or we can just like make this space fun. Um, but then there's this other side, is and it's how do we turn things off create barriers so that the things that we actually wouldn't even had to remotely thought of don't come in and demand our attention it's like um if you want to if you want to take your vitamins have them out in the place where you need to take where you're going to be at the moment you need to take them if you don't want to eat the halloween candy then don't have it in the center of the kitchen table which you walk by every single time like like, this is really simple And, and, and by the way Eat the candy if you want it, but just make sure you have to think about it rather than it yelling at you. <laughs> right, you know?
1: right. Yeah. So, so on that note with technology, Kurt, you've talked about how, you know, obviously there are a lot of issues with technology. Technology is one of our biggest obstacles to actually focusing well, but on the flip side, technology can actually help us improve our focus. So, so how do we implement technology into our lives so that it's almost like a boon to our ability to focus?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So there's a couple ways that this can work. And I I, I should say it starts with rejecting a fundamental premise and assumption that that people have around technology, which is that technology's job is to keep you informed on everything all the time. Like their job is to bring everything to you and you're supposed to filter. So that's like the hidden hidden idea is like, you drive by this place, we're going to remind you, haven't been here, we're going to remind you because you need the information and you get to filter. Look, what technology does it, when we do it well now is it filters for you so that what gets to you is actually what deserves your attention. That's the big pivot. And that means we have to set some, we have we have to use programs and uh, and, I'll, and I'll give you a few that will actually keep things from getting to you. So um, a few, let's look at our inbox. I love occasionally getting a good coupon from J. Crew. I don't need that coupon <laughs> at 2 p.m. on Wednesday, right? <laughs> and so I have a program called Unroll Me, Unroll.Me. I get yes. nothing from them, but they roll up all those emails and help me unsubscribe with one click rather than like six steps where they say, "Tell me why you hate us," and like, <laughs> I don't hate you, you know. Like, and and so um, that means once a day, I get like every one of those that I really want, and it makes it easy to get rid of it. Uh, another way that t- technology can help us is, is increasingly you know the d- features of the phone the idea of them telling you every week how much screen time you've had it that is uh it doesn't help at all the metrics because it doesn't tell you what you did with that, <laughs> that time Just on the shaming, phone. almost. yeah it's like i feel guilty but it turns out like a lot of times we should be on our devices if we're doing an email or if it's something important but on your device like go into settings go to notifications and turn off every notification that you don't want to get. Don't feel guilty about the ones you want to get. If it's not from a human, it's a good sign you should turn it off. Odds are, if you turn off iMessage or WhatsApp or whatever program you do, when people are concerned that they may miss a message, they go check it as much as if they if it's pushed to them as a general mm-hmm. rule. And so, um, yeah, so you, you want to create filters. Like, rather than go to Twitter to, or whatever source, like, I got to check the news all the time, like, find a, uh, a daily newsletter that you actually trust to filter for you. So it's about finding the... F- the ways that technology can provide you all the information you want in a format that doesn't take your constant searching or constant interruption.
0: Yeah. I feel like so often we use technology to to get the new and cool thing that we can receive, but we don't... Yeah. Like you said, we don't take that technology and turn it on its head and use it to, uh, to, to limit what we are consuming and what we're taking in. And Kurt, something else you said too... I mean, essentially, you're, you're talking about how we can use technology as a tool and how it's not inherently evil, right? And th- this makes me think about how we often talk about money because I, th- I think some folks think about money as this terrible thing. And they see that, oh, if I can get more of it, then it's going to fix everything, right? That's not actually the case, right? If, if you're terrible with your money and you get a lot more of it, well, you're just going to continue to be bad with your money, but just at a larger scale, hence the example, every lottery winner ever, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. But but using it as a tool takes being proactive. And it sounds like that with technology, there's a, a very similar relationship that we can have.
3: Yeah, totally. I, I think the, the I see two habits or two, two perspectives that are equally destructive, which is the, there is the loud voice, the loud community of, you know, technology's gaming you, you're a victim, you're incapable of restraint, you're the equivalent of a monkey who is gonna do whatever the technology tells you. And so there's a lot of gloom and doom about that. And then you ask the people that are making those statements um, what device they're using and they're gonna pull out their iPhone. (laughs) So they don't believe that. And then there's this other group that thinks technology is the answer to everything. And here's the problem with that. You can't solve, I'll make it real practical, you can't solve the problem of your inbox with technology. And the reason is because the people that send you mission critical messages from work also send you funny cat videos. (laughs) You know what I mean? So these are, these are human decisions that have to be made. And by the way, um, when, when we attempt to make um, technology increasingly efficient, so, you know, you got to get to inbox zero right? That's the goal. We got to be extremely efficient with our, e- with our email. All that does is it just makes us have higher volume and we're still overwhelmed. So, so that's not a solution either. Um, instead, the, the real solution is, is to start with the premise of saying, okay, so what is, the, what, what is worth my attention and how can I relate to technology in a way that it, it spotlights and brings to my attention what I do care about? And it keeps the crap away from me that will distract me from what actually matters.
1: We touched on this a little bit earlier on uh, about that kind of feeling that we have in this... Uh, just kind of the current state of affairs in our country uh, of, of this need to be constantly accessible. A lot of us in our jobs, we feel like if we're not checking our email every 30 minutes or every hour, that we're going to miss something that's hypercritical that needs to be responded to immediately. So like in your opinion, how do we actually balance that need, that feeling inside that we have to be responsive to the people that are begging for our attention via email, via text, whatever it is, with that kind of need to be able to get off the grid and to be able to focus on something for an extended period of time. How do we kind of resolve that conflict in our minds?
3: So you, you nailed it by saying the first step is you have to resolve it in your mind to realize like there's something wrong with that equation. And it makes perfect sense when we understand human biology. Um, we survived as social animals, which means that we—if attention is is the measure of what we value, right? We give our attention to what we we care about. That's why we're so offended when people don't give us their attention. Like that's why if I'm in a conversation, someone looks at their phone, they're like, "That's a generational thing." No, it's not. Like I, it, everyone in all of history has been offended when someone says <laughs> you're not worth my attention. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So, if we understand that basic premise, the question is, how do we? turn the relationships that are actually driving that from being one of um, enemies for each other's attention to actually being allies. And, and this is this, the most critical step. You simply can't get focused if you think it's an individual sport. Um, focus has never been a one-man game. Like it, it only occurs in the context, uh, it, like the, the fundamentals of attention is that it's largely what we pay attention to is what other people tell us matters. Like that's how it works. And so simple way to do this is I know not everyone's in a position where they feel like they can do this if they have a boss. Look, there's some people you don't have control over, but the truth is if you don't have control over them, then they're, they're responsible for your effective use of attention and they don't want you to waste it either. And so, we, we recommend just really simple, once a year, have a meeting with the people you love. Like I, We do a family, and then we do a team meeting, and because the vast majority of interruptions happen from the same people. Everyone talks about the random other, my client. Oh, come on. It's, it's usually the same people. And, and we just sit down, we, it, we ask some basic questions like, hey, what are the expectations of response time? Here's a good one, a really good one. What channel are we using when we have an emergency? And and why that matters is because now if I know like in our with our team, phone calls are the only emergency, and so Basecamp we use that or email. Um, none of those things I never have to worry that like I'm missing an emergency and I have to check it uh, because I know if it's a real emergency, then my my wrist is going to vibrate <laughs> because I use uh, I have an Apple Watch, and everything else is okay.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important, right? Like you're essentially creating rules as to how it is that y'all are going to communicate with each other. I only allow Matt to communicate to me via smoke signal. That's
1: <laughs> during the day. If he wants to get my attention, that's how he's got to do it.
0: Well, originally it was MySpace uh, <laughs> messages back and forth, but we've uh, we've evolved to the uh, the more hipster smoke signal. Yeah, I think the the <laughs>
1: stopped updating MySpace, so it just became unusable.
0: Uh, Kurt, so you have a you have a, a family at home, right? Joel and I, we, we've got kids as well, you know, especially for, for folks like us. Finding like a work-life balance is tough. So we're excited to hear your thoughts on that, as well as hearing some simple steps that we can take to stay focused. Uh, we're going to get to those right after the break.
1: Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money
5: if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner listen up upswell marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business they're actually choosing you
0: Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net
1: using Policy Genius. Head to PolicyGenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's PolicyGenius.com. All right, we're back from the break. We're talking with Kurt Steinhorst. We're talking about focus. And uh, Kurt, we've been discussing how distractions can decrease our productivity at work. But let's talk a little bit more about how our personal relationships, well, they can suffer too, right? And, and this concept of work-life balance has been talked about a lot uh, from a lot of different I- angles. Uh, but do you think that work-life balance is achievable? Or, or should we kind of be actually framing it differently in order to understand and aim for that better?
3: Yeah, the, the chapter in my book on this is called The Balance Myth. So I certainly have an opinion on it. I think it's important to realize the context for how long we've been attempting this this notion of work-life balance. It, about 100 years ago was the first time that uh, with the rise of the car, that the people we live with were different than the people we worked with. And that's when this idea of like balancing these two communities had to come into play. And and so what happens now is, is we continue to do that, like hard divisions or no divisions. And, and in every one of these cases, there's a failure to recognize what what people actually need and what's realistic and what the benefits of technology are. And one of the best things I can do is I can leave work earlier and, and get home to my family because I can send an email while I'm home. That's amazing. On the other hand, if I'm not careful, I can rush home at 80 miles an hour while texting on the way home (laughs) to get home to kids who love me, who three minutes in I'm ignoring because someone needs something somewhere. Hmm. And, the better way to approach this on a high level, we call it work-life integration. Um, different people have different needs when it comes to work-life, quote-unquote, balance. The notion that uh, you work too much, you're a workaholic, you need to stop working and watch a Netflix show in the evening, <laughs> like, like, as if that has value, right? So, so the key here is to say, if it's a community of people that deeply matters to me, do I have a place and time where they get all of me that's the question and so there's a lot of in between spaces but for instance with my family from when i walk in the door and by the way the only way i can walk in the door and be fully present is by my kids not running out when uh, they hear the garage door and me opening my phone and looking just to see if there's any emails and look at my to-do list and check everything and and make sure there's nothing I haven't accounted for. And after I do that, I say nothing needs my attention now. And I go in the house and from the time I'm there until the time the kids go to bed and then my wife and I do kind of a debrief evening thing, that period is is sacred and it's not that long. And it makes the entire experience. And then the phone actually, it's not next to me because if it was next to me, I would accidentally look at it. And, and during that period, but then what happens is, I then go pick up my computer and I start working because I actually love to get rid of the stuff that makes it possible for me to have a great day the next day rather than starting overwhelmed. Uh, not that that's the perfect thing for everyone, but the key is: um, do you do you know and and are you aware and are the those people aware of when you're not available to them and not available to the world so you can be fully available to to the particular people that are with you. Because at the end of the day, um, we're social, right? We're we're wired to want to deeply connect. And here's the deal: the worst thing that we can do is feel guilty all the time that we're anywhere we are because we're either on our device or not. Like maybe a simple way to to fix this is just to communicate what you're doing on that device. And People are far less offended when they feel like that, like, hey, I just I'm checking to see where we're going to eat, or hey, I just got a call or got a text from this person, I got to respond. So like, it, it solves a lot of problems because we all live complicated lives. Like sometimes work has to happen when I'm at home. Right. And, but as long as the people that are around me don't feel like I'm leaving them for no reason, we're, we're usually in a pretty good place.
1: Hmm. Or maybe sometimes you just got to say, I'm picking up that backup running back off the waiver wire. Okay. <laughs> That's <right>.
0: That's, <laughs> oh, that man. guy's
3: not going to last there.
0: The <laughs> so Kurt, like in regards to like that work life balance, I know for me, like it's easy for me to kind of romanticize and strive after like, this idealistic nine to five job where i can completely turn off my like my work brain right once the whistle blows sort of thing but like that's just not the world we live in today right like so much of our personal life does creep into our work and vice versa right like there are times when we have to tend to some work-related tasks after hours and so what i hear you saying at least is that like just that work-life balance is not it's not clear cut. <laughs> like, it's not either black or white. It's a lot more fluid if we want to take advantage of the conveniences that technology offers us, right?
3: That's right. And let's go a step further here. Uh, people aren't working more now. <laughs> like, go, I, we do a, a decent amount of work in agriculture. Like, go live on a farm and, and live on a farm in 1800. <laughs> like, oh gosh, they needed more work life balance. Like, look, The reason that the TV, literally, the reason the TV became so popular years ago is because we started having so much free time. So, like, we're not overworked. And in fact, let's go, like, even into the research and understand that. Do you know people are happier? The happiest we are is that when we are in a state of flow. Fascinating study in the early '90s, like, meaning that we are fully focused. Everything disappears. Time disappears. We're we're happier there than we are when we're in leisure mode. And yet we feel like there's this model where we have to have more leisure mode we need more rest but we don't need more leisure it's it's mm-hmm. perfectly reasonable to say like discipline and push and work like the, the, if you don't someone else will
1: well it makes me think kurt there's this recent uh, recent article i read about a german company that's uh, taking everybody in their workforce down to a five hour work day so every week everybody's working 25 hours a week, but what happens is, is that there's no social media, there, there's no cell phones. They're 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 basically the the office is trying to cater everything towards an ability to help their employees focus and to avoid the distractions during the workday and. A lot of these. There are a couple other examples of companies that have done this. I believe there's like a, a surfing company out in California, maybe that did something similar. And every time I think Patagonia did that, as Patagonia well. does yeah, something. Yeah. Like, yeah, they've got
0: like surfing breaks.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, and every time a company does something like this, it turns out that the productivity doesn't go down as long as at the same time as you lower the amount of hours that the employees are supposed to work, you're eliminating the distractions and enhancing the ability to focus. At the same time, it turns out pro- productivity often actually goes up
3: yeah that's right that, uh, n- always available means never fully available and and this is the like the incalculable like we can't measure the cost what we can measure is that we haven't seen any productivity gains in the economy despite having all this incredible technology since 2007 and so there's no productivity gains because it, it turns out like always being available means always being interrupted means never getting focused work done and uh, you can work very few hours and, and, and accomplish significantly more than most people um, if you really give your all in those hours.
0: Let's kind of talk now where like the, the rubber meets the road, right? Do you have any practical tips that our listeners could implement today in order to be less distracted? Say like while they're at work, what things can they do to allow them to focus more and to be distracted less? Like Maybe what, some, some sort of zapping device that <laughs> yeah.
1: if they do stray, right, gets their, their attention back?
3: Yeah, exactly. pain is generally a great, good motivator (laughs) yeah um yeah i can give you i'll give you several let's just start at the beginning of the day every decision you have to make makes the next one a little bit harder so if if you start in the middle of the day or start at the beginning of the day by the night before having had a bunch of the early decisions laid out for you you'll have more capacity than you would otherwise this is why you know um President Obama wore the same thing every day, right? He had a very small selection. Why Warren Buffett eats a burger every day? Like the uh, great thinkers who focus have the ability to like eliminate lots of the small decisions, especially on the front end. So uh, that's an easy one. Also, get sleep is significant. The system of the part of your brain that actually allows for focus and overcoming interruption it takes far more energy. Resources. So the more tired you are, the less you're going to be able to. This is why at the end of the night, you find yourself uh, getting looping through social media and going to new things. And like, I should go to bed, but I'm going to keep seeing what else is out there. It's because that's the more tired you are. That's the system of attention. This curious, find new things thing. Part. So um, that's would be number two. Uh, number three, start your day on your way into work by visualizing and i know this sounds so cheesy even as i say it but um take a couple minutes to say what is this great day going to look like literally visualizing this is how the day is going to go uh, and it, what that does is it primes our brain to when we start to get off it we unconsciously move towards it uh, back towards it so it's not even any active work you don't have to then like double stress about it but by setting an intention it actually will help support that intention and it will allow you to more quickly identify when something is distracting you and getting you away from that intention Uh, so that's the the stuff i would do on the front of the day and then then you know jumping into the next one is uh, don't let your inbox be your home screen don't let your inbox be your task list Um, get out of your inbox as much as possible so like you can do it you can look at the beginning of the day, you can say, okay, I have all these emails to do. Okay, well, l- take them and move them into wherever – I mean, you can use Asana or Todoist or there's any uh, – whatever program you have. There's plenty of ways to do this. And 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 actually write those messages not in the inbox, but write them in another system that means that you're not – because the problem with an inbox is it's this cesspool of all these divergent <laughs> and unrelated ideas. Like I go back to it. I'm like, oh, I need to do this that's not related to – oh, and I need to do that, and I need to do this. And then we live in it and we don't understand why we can't complete it. So if we move out of the inbox, move it into a to-do list, prioritize that list by importance. I, I have a few categories, like these are the two to four things today that will define whether I make it, wh- why I'm successful. Then I have a laundry list of things that I just needed to get done when I'm in quick wins. And then I have things that if I get to them, it's a bonus. Uh, these are really simple ways to, to set yourself up for success and to give yourself a chance to be successful on the back end.
1: Kurt, I got one more question for you. When Obviously, this the show, we, we mostly usually talk about money, like how to get your money game together, how to pay off debt, how to save for retirement, like how to stay focused there. And some of these goals are really, really long term. Saving for retirement takes decades and paying off debt, if you've gotten into a lot of it, can take a handful of years, can take a decade sometimes if it's that much, if it's a bunch of student loans and a bunch of credit card debt that you've racked up. So so like, what advice would you give to someone trying to stay focused over the long haul with a continued drive to, to be a good saver or to be great at paying down debt? Do you have any advice for folks like that?
3: Yeah, I, I think attention is given to what matters. And what that means is, uh, why do we feel, quote unquote, distracted? Because we're we're so inundated by all these messages all the time that we we lose the ability to assess um, what really matters. And, and so we become rudderless. We're a raft in an ocean of distraction being pushed about left and right. And and so I think when we think about anything that involves a long-term focus, a requirement, it's how do we ensure that we are having it brought to our attention in consistent ways that this is what actually is worth our attention. This is what matters. Meaning, um, put it really, really simply, is like, if you want to reduce debt, um, you should you this is why you should be listening to this podcast because it you have to constantly put that information in front of you and it has to come at the expense of other information so mm-hmm. like what i would say is what if whatever my biggest goals are how am i digesting information that is reminding me of that on a consistent basis so whatever your f- faith is we can all agree that the the historic Old Testament has implications across every major religion. And there's this concept called the Shema in Deuteronomy. And it, and it's, it basically says the first thing that you do in the morning is, is say the Shema, like um, the hero Israel, the, the Lord is your God. Right. And, and I'm not saying that that should be yours, but it's the first thing that someone that is of faith should say. It's the last thing they should say. It should be painted on their their uh, door frames. And, and what this is pointing to is we forget and so we need ritual and consistent reminders at every major place uh, at key moments in our days and and so if you want to do it find ways to be reminded of it and in long term that's where you're going to go
0: yeah, that's so true. Just constantly, constantly reminding ourselves of that. Constantly listening to how to money, I think, <laughs> is what Kurt really said there. So, <laughs> exactly. Great advice. Hey, yeah, Kurt, this has been an, an awesome conversation. I think just the things that we've talked about in this episode is going to have an impact on folks when it comes to them just excelling and doing a, just a killer job at work not only there, but I, th- I just see it having an impact on people's personal lives, yeah, right? Like, being more present in the relationships. Yeah, just, just whether it be just with your friendships or with your significant other, your kids, whatever it is. Man, so on that note, we really appreciate you uh, you joining us uh, for this episode. If folks want to find more information about you, uh, where can they go?
3: So uh, a few places that you can reach me. Um, first off, if, if you just want information, then two things. The book is meant to be... Uh, it was written for people that can't read books, and it's also available in audio, and it's really tactical, so short, quick solutions on how we can get on top of these issues. But we do a, a few things. Email is a really great resource for me. So I'm going to give you my email. I'm also going to be really honest with you. that uh, So my email is cs at focuswise.com. Now, uh, there's someone who checks that email to provide basic information. If you want something that we have a form for, you get it. But here's my promise. If there's a question, uh, if there's something that's um, more personal, it, it will always get to me. I always respond. So nice. It, it's nice to have filters so that the, the, <laughs> the, the mass doesn't get to you so that the things that do matter,
1: actually. Watch out though. Those how to money listeners, are going to blow up your inbox. So. Perfect. Please. <laughs> awesome. Well, Kurt, this has seriously been a great conversation. Thank you so much for, for your time and attention tonight. We appreciate it.
3: Hey, my pleasure,
0: guys.
1: All right, man. That was a, a fun conversation with Kurt. And by the way, congratulations! You stayed focused very well on that entire interview. I'm proud of you for that.
0: Yeah, I, was, I stayed off my phone.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you should be proud of me. You weren't checking your Instagram. I appreciate that. But okay, I want to know for you what was your big takeaway from that conversation?
0: Well, I've got two of them. So do you want me to go ahead and say both of mine, or do you want to go first? All right, big, big, big shot. Let's do this. Come <laughs> well, on, go there, for there's it. There's two of them that that he mentioned that really stood out to me. And what he said was, and this is going to kind of sound weird, right? But he was saying that we should communicate about our communication, essentially. <laughs> um, and that really stuck out to me because that's not something I've ever done. It's not something I've ever talked with my wife about and how we should communicate while I'm working and you know when she needs to get a hold of me. We, we sort of know how we expect each other to respond in certain ways. There's an understanding. But we've never flat out sort of talked about it and actually he said that maybe once a year you should sit down with you know maybe your team or with your family and you have these meetings where you discuss maybe essentially i guess what's working what's not working and for you and me buddy like you and i we work together and this isn't something we've ever talked about we we communicate sometimes more or less but at times i think it's maybe easy for us to get frustrated if one of us is in the zone right if one of us is is in is in flow and we're we're really wanting to get work done and we've got email turned off we've got our phone on airplane mode if we were to talk about how we're going to talk. <laughs> I, I see that being being real helpful for, for you and me specifically as well. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a good takeaway for us to, to be able to communicate better by talking about how we want to communicate. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So before I say my second one, you go ahead and uh, jump on yours in case I steal it. All right, cool. Uh, so
1: sure. I, I think my big takeaway was less of thinking about work-life balance and a little more thinking about that work-life integration. And so something that Emily and I literally just instituted this past Sunday it was kind of like a, a Sunday phone Sabbath. And we we kind of heard this other places, but like literally taking Sundays, a good chunk of pretty much all day Sunday where the phone is not anywhere near us. And I think, you know, what Kurt said was kind of placement is key. And if his phone's next to him, he's going to check it. And so we've decided that like a Sunday, Sundays are a great time for us to spend time as a family. And I don't know about you, but if my phone's in my pocket, I'm just so much more tempted to check it. And so I think when we're talking about that balance, uh, achieving that sort of balance or integration, you know what, I can still check my phone that night after I put the kids to bed or something like that. But if we have that full day that we get to spend together, where I haven't checked my phone once. But if, if I do check it and I see an email or, or a text pops up that I feel like I have to respond to or whatever, it just kind of it changes the flow of the day with my fam. And so for us, that's something that we're choosing to do that to to keep my focus, to, to keep our focus together. And so yeah, I thought that was a good tip, and actually something I'm trying to integrate
0: like right now at this current moment too. Nice, dude, I love that. Okay, so I'll go ahead and share my second one, which was Mm -hmm. when he was talking about the space uh, that we work in. Uh, He was talking about how like we should maybe invest a little bit of money into the space we work and have it be beautiful, have it be a space that we want to spend time in, where we can be productive. Yeah, don't cheap out on it. Yeah, (laughs) and just you know that's not going to give us permission to just go crazy and spend a ton of money, but you know like let's find ways to make it uh, an environment that we. Are are happy to be in where we can be productive. And aside from that, you know, what doesn't cost any money is just keeping a neat space. Like I'm thinking about times when I've been really, you know, where I felt underwater with my work and you know what, my desk looks underwater as well. (laughs) It's just covered (laughs) in papers and just tons of stuff that I have to get to bills that I need to pay. Like there's books that I need to read just stuff I need to throw away that's just been sitting there for weeks. Each one of those things I think can be a small distraction. And something that's even though I'm not actively thinking about it, it's just something that kind of weighs on my mind. So that's something I took away as well. Awesome. That's very
1: good. All right. So yeah, the, the conversation with Kurt was really good and, and his book was really, really good too. And so we are giving away three copies of Kurt's book. And if you want to be entered to win a copy, all you have to do is leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't ha- use an Apple device, you can leave one on Stitcher for the show. Once you leave that review, just send an email to us at howtomoneypod at gmail.com. Let us know what your screen name is and that you left a review and we'll enter you into the drawing and we'll announce those winners one week from today on the show.
0: Yeah. And there's a deadline too. Let's go ahead and set that deadline. You have until noon this Friday. So make sure you get your reviews in and send us that email before noon. Yep. Let's quickly talk about the beer that we had on the show today. We drank a nice one. Jackie O's
1: Quatrefoil. This was an oak-aged sour ale conditioned on apricots. What was your take
0: on this one, man? Yeah, well first I'll say, man, just it was beautiful. Like when we poured it, the uh what did, what did the color of it remind you of? I'll say like a field of golden hay. <laughs> it was really pretty. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was beautiful. I'll say apricots. Like like I feel like it had the exact color of the fruit that was featured in this beer. But as far as the flavor goes, man, like it had such a bright Acidic flavor. Um, they had a lot of like lemon notes. You know, it was really acidic, like lemon, peach, oranges. It had like a lot of those fruity, acidic notes of all those fruits that are that tend to be, I don't know, like kind of the, the same color as apricots, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everything <laughs> th- was very blonde and bright. So this was a, a blonde sour, which I personally enjoy a lot more than a, like a darker sour. Yeah. I thought it was delicious. Uh, and when it takes this long to make, it usually
1: makes it even better. This is a blend of one to three-year-old Oakage Sour Mm -hmm. Blondale. So this this beer is a long time in the making, which often can broaden the flavors that you're going to taste in a beer. These beers that are aged up to three years just develop so many interesting characteristics. So this was really, really good. Yeah, I agree on acidic with like, I thought this kind of gentle sweetness and the apricots just shown through nicely. A little mouth pucker. It was just a really, really good sour beer. I, I enjoyed it a lot. And man, Jackie O's just making some
0: really good beers. Yeah. Thanks to the folks up there for sending this one our way. So Joel, that's going to be it for this episode, man. You can find our show notes at howtomoney.com. And of course, leave a review and get entered into this book giveaway. And Matt, until next time, best friends out. Best friends out.
2: It's brand new season two.